0: Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Greetings and salutations all you Gamecock fans. J.C. Sherbert here with you Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Thank you for listening today on a Monday, August 17th, first day of fall practice. Um... Usually this day is widely celebrated, (laughs) Uh, at least it usually is, Um, but we're usually uh, 17 days in or so right now, so it's delayed, and with all the uncertainty out there around college football, um, you know, I I just, I'm glad that we're at this moment, you know, I'm glad that we're starting practice and, and having some things to talk about other than a pandemic or players organizing or you know, take your topic this offseason. Um, it's been kind of a a roller coaster, turned some people off, woken some people up. I don't know what how to describe this offseason, but it's been awful um, and full of uncertainty. So now you have some certainty the Gamecocks will practice today. Who knows what will happen ultimately. Um, I will mention this quickly. I have noticed some of the narratives coming out about, you know, the SEC and ACC and Big 12 not needing to play. They've sort of been quieted by the immense attention on the Big Ten parents wanting their teams to get back into action. Um, and so I think in the court of public opinion, with the exception of a few people on Twitter, um, who do have large followings, and then some people that just don't want there to be a college football season, period, and I don't – you know, I, I – I don't think there's a lot of these people that are so far into the, 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 uh, the, no, don't play. It's not safe camp. Um, You know, you kind of look at their Twitter account and you can kind of see where they're coming from um, in terms of why they don't want there to be a football season. I'll just say that. Um, And I'm not saying everybody, I'm not throwing blankets out there. I'm just saying with the social media churn machine right now. Uh, It seems there's a lot more folks out there going, well, you know, the Big Ten, you know, the players want to play in the Big Ten and and digging into why, you know, the Big Ten canceled their season. You know, and it's funny to me because the Pac-12, by and large, the Pac-12 was transparent about why they didn't – and by and large, if you read the Pac-12's medical document, there was some concern about myocarditis. But but they also – you know, in those states didn't feel comfortable with their testing protocol, uh, and having enough tests and all that. And those states have been talking about that for a while. And so, you know, what I got from the PAC 12 document was, Hey, we need, we need to kind of, you know, wait till there's more testing or or we get better testing. And lo and behold, uh, there's a saliva test coming to market. Um, Supposed to be instantaneous. It's supposed to be a lot cheaper than the test they're implementing now, and that could be that could be something that's very helpful. I, I think uh, for any program that's wanting to play a football season or start a season, I, I'm not I'm not one of these people that's out there going, ah, you know, the virus is something made up or something like that. I think I think there's some some you know extreme viewpoints either way that are fueled by anything but science and medicine. Um, but the virus is a real thing, and I and I don't think colleges have any business playing kids that uh, test positive for the virus. And I think you do need to test and quarantine, and, you know, it, it's a highly contagious deal, uh, and it can sideline half your team quick if you're not careful. So I, I I think schools that can't test have no business playing. If you don't have the money or the resources to go, you know, test your guys and and, you know, follow the protocols, which are, you know, I don't think they're too hard, you know, don't play. Um, So I got that from the Pac-12. The Big Ten's been completely not transparent. I don't think it helped that their commissioner's kind of an inexperienced guy. Um, And he went on the record and started talking about societal issues and all that. And, you know, they went in six days from here's a schedule to it's abundantly clear we shouldn't play. Um, So that's a cluster. And quite frankly, I don't. I'm not sad about that because they act like they're the Ivy league and they're not, you know, this whole reason the SEC teams only sign 25 guys and they're so limited. uh, And you can't take junior college players or prep school players anymore, which I think is culturally biased and um, culturally in terms of like the South versus the North. Um, And it robs players uh, of opportunity. I think it's very elitist. Uh, You know, that's why, that's why it's more difficult to recruit players now and, you know, to go in on a guy that's uh, got academic question marks and to maybe give him an opportunity to work his way through it, um, you know, is because of the Big Ten. Because they, they basically had this fake news thing called oversigning uh, where, where it was very basic. You know, they sat there and had very basic numbers and said X team signed X players. And then you know these are the number of scholarships they have, and so teams, some teams would be like at one hundred and two, and although that's plus seventeen, didn't take into account guys that didn't qualify that they placed, didn't take into account guys that had gotten injured and put on medical, didn't get can't take into account guys that just kind of quit that weren't wearing off, and so there was this narrative with these numbers that SEC coaches were just down here signing guys and then cutting them, cutting them loose. Um, you cut him loose. Um, and so I just, uh, you know, that conference, you know, thinks it's poop doesn't stink a lot and that's no offense to their fans or their alums. Cause I think they're great. Um, all a bunch of large state supported schools that are passionate about football are great in my book, but that academic end of that conference has turned its nose down at, at the SEC. And then for competitive reasons on the field, Uh, has raised some issues that weren't really issues. They're the kings of fake news when it comes to the SEC. Uh, And so I'm not sad that they're sort of getting theirs, you know, right now. Uh, And that they look like complete incompetent imbeciles. Um, Just goes to show you that, you know, you can have all the fancy U.S. News and World Report school rankings that you want. You can be considered a public Ivy all you want. Uh, You can have a fancy degree all you want. Uh, and, but nobody's above, you know, these days causing a dumpster fire <laughs> and I'll include myself in that. Yeah. It's just, nobody's above lighting a dumpster fire, uh, in today's climate. All right. I released some VIP offensive tidbits on the dot today. Uh, if you are not a VIP member, obviously with practice starting, we're gonna have lots of coverage. Uh, I think we got a 50% off deal right now. It's on the front of the site. If you want to go check it out, you can get half off. Um, we'll take you through the season, obviously all the recruiting and, and anything else that's breaking that happens myself, Tony Morell, John Whittle, uh, there's a little plug for the big spur, go out and join. We have a bunch of, bunch of members, uh, thousands, uh, and a great message board, uh, that's good for a laugh if nothing else at times. So, uh, come on and it's not Twitter either. So <laughs> it's, it's a lot more tame than Twitter because it's a controlled, uh, environment. Um, you know, I talked about the offense on the side today, just about quarterback battle, um, wide receivers, what what's going on at tight end, the fullbacks. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about, and I mentioned this in the article, I didn't get too in depth to it, uh, is Okay, so Jasmine Turnitine uh came from uh, I believe it's Hutchinson Junior College or Coffeyville. Gosh, I get those two confused. But anyway, uh he is Junior college transfer, came in mid-year, class of 2020, first year. All the feedback I'm getting on this guy is amazing. Hutchison, it was Hutchison Junior College. 6'7", 330, that's the South Carolina listing. Very little fat on his body. Moves around great. Um, And is penciled in as the starter at left tackle right now. Uh, Now, he's going to battle it out. I think Ja'Kai Moore – Jalen Nichols, maybe we'll give him a run over there, but, uh, you know, you signed Juco's to come in and play. So, you know, unless it is a complete looks like Tarzan plays like Jane situation, which judging by his film, he's got a nasty streak and it will not be, you know, you never know until a guy gets up there and gets at games and everything's live. You know, this could be the game kind of going two for two on Juco offensive tackles because Dennis Daly's in the NFL folks. He's training with the Carolina Panthers right now uh, and started several games last year as a rookie. So, I don't know. You know, I, I think when you look at Alabama, Alabama does sign junior college offensive linemen from time to time, and they end up starting and playing well. I think Georgia's done the same. Georgia hasn't done that um, with the JUCOs. I'm, I'm thinking wrong. They got a kid out of New York. That, that, the big five-star they got out of New York was not out of the New York JUCO that Bama goes and gets players from. Um, But, you know, LSU will get a JUCO offensive lineman. Lots of schools will do this. Um, So, credit if Turnitown ends up being good, as good as people think. Credit uh, Eric Wolford and um, Will Muschamp for going and finding this guy. I mean, it wasn't like he was too terribly highly recruited. You know, mid-three star, number six, offensive tackle in the JUCO ranks. Let's see who's ahead of him. Let's see – just just for, for poops and giggles here. Who was ahead of him at offensive tackle? Well, so this kid from Detroit, Jeremy Flax, is going to Kentucky. He was the only four-star. Then you had Trevor Reed from Georgia Military. And let's see where he he went to Louisville. So that's uh keep an eye on him this year. Uh Kill and Zierer. Now, yeah, oh, I forgot to mention Auburn. Keelan Zier, Zierer is from Germany, <laughs> and I guess he got – where was he at junior college? I guess he just kind of got thrown into the uh, – oh, he was at College of the Canyons out in California, so Spruck and St. Auburn. They've got a German offensive tackle this year. They also signed Brendan Coffee from California. So, Auburn had to replace a lot of offensive linemen, so you're going to see the – You're going to see this. Um, And the next guy was Antoine Reed from that college in New York, ASA College. Uh, He didn't go anywhere. I guess he didn't get in or take care of his business. And then turning time. So it's going to be interesting to follow because, you know, you have three guys in the SEC ranked ahead of him per composite and um, in the JUCO ranks, and, and we'll see kind of how they go. Um 24-7 sports took it a step further and ranked Martin Weyerberg uh, ahead of turning time. So, you know, we'll see kind of how that goes. My guess, I have a guess here. My guess is that one of the guys from Auburn will be really good. One won't. Um, heck, maybe they both are though. I like them both on film, not as well as turning time, but I like them both on film. My guess is you scroll on down these rankings to number nine, uh, Brandon Coleman from Trinity Valley Community College in Denton, Texas, going to TCU. My guess is that guy may end up being better than all of them. Just kind of a gut feeling. But like I say all the time, I've been wrong before and I'll be wrong again. So, anyway, t- turning time is, is intriguing to me because I thought too that, you know, this also allows Jakai Moore. If Ja'Kai is going to be your left tackle in the future, it may not be Ja'Kai. Maybe Jalen Nichols. Um, Who knows? Uh, It may be Vershawn Lee. Who knows? Um, This allows Ja'Kai to kind of continue to develop. Now, he played – he redshirted last year, Ja'Kai Moore did. Played one game, started the Clemson game. Thought played okay. Um, But this allows you to kind of bring him and Nichols along slowly because you also have Dylan Wanham over at right tackle – And, you know, what you want, let's say Turnitown's really good and can go pro after this year, which at his size, if he plays well, you know, the pros like guys like that. Uh, Let's say Dylan Wanham goes pro. um, You know, you need more nickels to kind of take over those tackle spots next year. So I I think that's, uh, you know, his presence is a good thing. It's kind of a bridge deal. Um, You know, Gilbert Edmond – As a guy, you know, you look at him when the game. The Gamecocks signed him late. Some of you were haters because they flipped him from South Florida and Jeff Scott. Um, I think we all know Jeff Scott knows what he's doing in recruiting. So does his dad. (laughs) I mean, his dad. Say what you want about his tenure at South Carolina, and 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 I was not, and nor do I continue. I'm not a fan. You know, on a personal level, I, I hear people. I don't know Brad Scott. I hear people say he's great. You know, from a South Carolina standpoint, there were some things he did when he left that were just petty and unforgivable. Um, and that uh, that's not going to Clemson. That's just kind of, you know, how he left things. Um, but say what you want, they were good at finding guys, players. Uh, you know, I'll bring two examples. I mean, I'll, I'll bring three. Andre Goodman, Kalimba Edwards, and John Abraham, you know, uh, and Sheldon Brown. So there's four. And Rashad Faison. So a lot of those early Holtz era guys that you think about in terms of the Holtz era, they were really Brad Scott guys. And so Jeff Scott's pretty good at finding guys too. Uh, Of course, Brad's working for him. You know, Westwood and Fort Pierce is a a place where, you know, Khalil Mack went to school. So – and they have a large group of guys every year. Um, So credit the Gamecocks for going in there and finding this guy because, you know, now Gilbert Edmond's 6'5", 235. He played at 6'4", 215 last year. So he's growing um, and could be a monster edge guy, in my opinion, in time. May play a little this year. He may be like DJ Wanham, who was kind of a similar late evaluation. Um, so quick twitch guy. Um, am going to play the Buck, Sam, Spot. You know, those are kind of interchangeable. Uh, and so, you know, that that's something that scrolling through everything last night kind of surprised me. Uh, in terms of just how big he's gotten. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how O'Donnell Fortune, uh, the freshman out of Sumter, um, stacks up this year in terms of getting playing time someplace. Uh, He's a big hitter. They moved him out to corner and flipped Dominic Hill over to safety among the freshmen. Um, So we'll see kind of what happens there. You know, Joey Hunter, Dominic Hill, O'Donnell Fortune, curious to see kind of, how things go in the secondary with those guys, because I, I think one of them probably will play. Um, numbers just aren't quite there yet. So uh, really looking forward to that, really looking forward to that. We've talked about the receiving position uh till I'm blue in the face. <laughs> Rico Powers right now, if you're talking about freshmen, you'd probably say he's ahead just based on what you hear. Um, wouldn't wouldn't count out Jakari Caldwell though either I think you know that, that's a guy and in time Jakari Caldwell could very well be better uh, in my opinion than um, than Rico Powers but I do like you know I, I have some questions about Rico but I've always liked his game and kind of we'll see you know what happens there uh, with regards to the newcomers so you know lots to be excited about you know I, I went back and watched Some film on Marshawn Lloyd from last season uh, when they played Gonzaga. Dematha Catholic up in DC played Gonzaga, which had a five-star quarterback for this class. Um, Good game. Looked like, and it wasn't game film. It was a highlight thing. So I don't want to be too, you know, I don't want to be critical. It it looked like their coach liked to run a lot of pass plays. I'd have probably just given it to Lloyd about 30 times and keep kept that other guy off the field. But, you know, they kind of like to mix it up and be fancy. And then it was successful. It was a game that went right down to the wire. But, you know, this cat, I mean, you know, you're sitting there and, and the other team got up by a couple of touchdowns. And then Lloyd does his best Debo Samuel impersonation and looks like he shot out of a cannon on a kickoff return, scores easily. Um, you know, the more I watch him – and this is high school stuff now, so it's not not certainly not the SEC. The more I think, you know, this guy is a special special player that the Gamecocks, you know, c- can rely on to kind of boost their offense this year. And again, if you're keeping score, when it comes to the uh, the running back position, you know, in composite we'll go composite. You know, Bajon Robinson from Tech, Arizona. Uh, went to Texas is number one. Zachary Evans from Texas that went to TCU is number two. I think talent-wise, there's no question. DeMarcus Bowman up at Clemson, uh, and, of course, we hear he's doing well up there. Number three, Tank Bigsby, number four. And then Lloyd, number five. Now, 24-7 sports, they're kind of out there a little bit more. You know, they put Jameer Gibbs, who's going to Georgia Tech, we remember him from recruiting as number four, Chaney, Don Chaney, Jr., whose dad went to Carolina at number five, Tank Bigsby at six. We put Jace McClellan from Milano, Texas, that's going to Alabama, number seven. Uh, and then Marshawn Lloyd, number eight. So, you know, we'll see who's right, you know, at the end of the day. But I do think that Lloyd is probably going to get a big opportunity. I think TCU can get Zach Evans rolling, keep him there. I think he'll play well this year, but John Robinson at Texas kind of depends on who they've got back. I'm not a big Robinson guy, um, but I wasn't a big Christian Kirk guy either. If you want to talk about Arizona guys that went to um, Texas schools and played well, uh, you know, he went to A&M and tore it up. So uh, not that I didn't think he was elite or even like, I think I had him in the top 40. I just had some questions. Um, and I love Jameer Gibbs. I mean, I, I think at Georgia tech, you know, he could be a big boost to their offense. And I, I like John Chaney too, going to Miami, of course, very, very fast guy. Uh, you know, if you Bigsby or Lloyd, uh, even when it looked like South Carolina was getting Bigsby and Georgia was getting Lloyd, I said Lloyd. So I don't know what changed, but tank Bigsby's going to Auburn and, you know, we'll see kind of what happens there. If he can beat out, my personal five-star DJ Williams, who, you know, you guys really should watch this year. I mean, hopefully you don't get a big uh, a big whiff of it against Carolina, but uh, he's a really good player. Who was committed to App State until the end. Scott Satterfield, that guy can recruit and find players. You know, that, that kid was committed to App State until the last month of recruiting. Word got out. Wanted to go to Georgia. Wanted to go to Bama those two schools kind of were like iffy on them, ended up at Auburn, DJ Williams out of, out of Florida. Um, and s- last I saw an Auburn depth chart was slated to start for war Eagle this year. But back to Lloyd, you know, I, I just, the more I watch, the more I dig in, the more you hear, the more you think that this guy, and I know Rico Dowdle started as a true freshman at running back. Um, and I know that Brandon Wilds had to start some down the stretch in 2011 after Marcus Lattimore got hurt at running back. But there really hadn't been a feature guy. I mean, you think back, who are the who are the true freshmen that have come in and highly regarded uh, and torn it up at Carolina? Uh, you know, you think about Brandon Bennett back in the 90s. Um, you think about Derek Watson uh, under Lou Holtz. Uh, you know, who came in and played well. You know, Demetrius Summers kind of came in when there was a, a lot of people. Was a, I don't want to say it was a loaded backfield. It was a crowded one. But, you know, they turned him loose as a true freshman. Um, that middle part of that season, I believe it was 03. Uh, he played really well and then played bad at times, up and down. And then you have to go all the way to Lattimore, um, you know, Bobby Wallace and the first Mike Davis early in the Spurrier obviously started as true freshman but uh, you know this is the first one since Marcus you know because the second Mike Davis came in highly regarded but he was behind some players and so you know the, you kind of get that vibe now I'm not I'm Marcus Lattimore in and of himself that and the defense getting a little older and Garcia having a year of experience under his belt and all that, and Alshon becoming a, a bona fide star. Um, but, but all that was important too. But Marcus Lattimore, make no mistake about it, the Gamecocks don't win the SEC East in 2010 if it weren't for him. You know, his effort at the swamp alone, <laughs> I mean, he wrote 40 carries, 202 yards, I mean, just went up and down the field. And so, you know, that was a guy that had an amazing impact. Um, can Marshawn Lloyd have that kind of impact? Are the game even at the point where adding a Marshawn Lloyd is going to boost them to those heights? I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I I, th- I do think though you got a new offense with Mike Bobo. Uh, it is running back friendly. Uh, he is talented. Um, South Carolina haven't been able to run the ball in years <laughs> since 2014. Uh, I do think that, um, you know, he's a guy that can make a difference. And so, you know, I I know Zaquandre White or Quan White is what they're calling him, just got in, number one Juco back in the country, all that. Watched his film last night, too. I like the way he kind of runs aggressively. Um, he is kind of upright at times. Um, and then at times he's not. Had level maybe question mark. He does have good speed. Uh, you know, with Lloyd, I'm more like, well, you know, this guy could be a difference maker. With White, I'm I'm really wait and see. Uh, I think there's some things to really like about him. There's some things that you kind of look at, and you know, you're wondering if it translates. I hope it does. I know the coaching staff's really excited about him, and they think he's a heck of an athlete. Um. So so I'm hesitant to say there'll be a one-two punch with Lloyd and White. You know, Kevin Harris will factor in. Fenwick will factor in. You know, they really like Rashad Amos, the other freshman coming in too. And, you know, you can play running back as a true freshman in this league. So, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, I, I think that's kind of how I see Lloyd and the running back position. And I, I think that gets lost on people sometimes because the Gamecocks were so bad on offense last year and Muschamp's team's have not been good on offense. I think he'd be the first to tell you that. You know, and things have been so negative that I think sometimes it's hard to think, well, you got a guy coming in that could really help. Uh, and so that's uh, that's the deal there. So, I, you know, at Marshawn Lloyd, is he going to help, you know, transform everything, Game Pass go win the East like they did with Marcus Lattimore? I don't know. You know, it's a different time. We're in a different space right now. Um, and I also don't think you're going to give Marshawn Lloyd 37 to 40 carries a game. I mean, I just I can't see that happening, I, you know, even at Georgia with all the great backs they had, Bobo, you know, ran them in and out, um, as a one two punch. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I think that that's uh, that's my little spiel there. Uh, okay, so today, um, at I guess we got a lot, of, we got some things going on today three o'clock Eastern on the Paul Feinbaum show. Uh, the Gamecocks will learn of their week one opponent. I have no idea who it's going to be. I have a gut feeling Georgia. Just, but, but that just may mean that, you know, I'm thinking back to the 90s or, or whenever when the Gamecocks usually played Georgia first. Um, Maybe like a, something out of left field like Tennessee. You know, Carolina never plays Tennessee early. Uh, that would be the earliest time they've played them in a while if they completely – Shuffle it up, you know, maybe somebody like Vandy or Missouri. I mean, it literally could be any of the 10 teams, and I would not be surprised uh, at this point. And, and it just kind of depends on what the SEC wants to do. I mean, are they are they looking to preserve the third Saturday in October for Alabama-Tennessee? Are they looking to kind of keep the cocktail party down in Jacksonville the same weekend? You know, or, or is the Egg Bowl and Iron Bowl going to be played at the end? You know, do they keep everybody – I mean, you know, what's going to happen? You know, that that's the question on that. I mean, are, are they going to take that 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 final Saturday that was full of the rivalry games and sort of, you know, match, you know, Carolina with Florida or Georgia, you know, or Kentucky, you know, you match those teams up. I mean, w- w- will you do that? Will you, will you put Florida-Georgia at the end of the year? Since you don't have Georgia-Georgia tag, and play Florida, Georgia the same weekend as the Iron Bowl, Egg Bowl, LSU, A and M, Tennessee, Vandy, all that, and then the game cards would end against Kentucky. Wouldn't mind putting that Kentucky game at the end. <laughs> they don't play as well down the stretch, the Wildcats. They really don't. Um, they tend to be a September, October team, and then they're good for a, an egg or two toward the end, especially if you're playing Tennessee. But uh, I don't know. So so we'll see kind of how that goes. First game, though, gets announced at three. Will Muschamp has a press conference opening day of practice at four. So I'm sure he'll be commenting on the schedule and all that. Uh, who looked good in the first practice, blah, blah, blah. Uh, who's been looking good. Uh, and then, you know, tonight at seven uh, on the SEC Network. Uh, Bomb's also on the SEC Network in case you guys – didn't know you know i just said fine bomb you know so i don't want you to be confused that is also on the sec network so tonight on the sec network at seven the complete 2020 schedule gets revealed i'm excited about this and, and it's probably because i'm bored <laughs> um you know usually a schedule reveal uh is like a year away you do them like the nfl does it like seven months before kickoff and you know, colleges, you know, the, the SEC pretty much sets everything. Um, uh, but, yeah, you know, so I'm like, uh, you, you know, you're you're a month and nine days away from kicking it off and you're finding out who you're going to play. So that's exciting, I think, um, to me. It's just something tangible. And then we can talk about the schedule for the rest of the week. You know I will here and break it down and talk about um, – all of that. So that's uh that's a pretty good deal. There's some guys announcing in recruiting. I don't think South Carolina's getting any of them. Javon Bullard, and there's the crystal ball. Uh, coming in from Rusty Manziel. Javon Bullard, Georgia. Um, and so he was a guy, three star kid out of uh Milledgeville that the Gamecocks had and offered early. Really good player. Everybody liked him. Um, and you folks that were grumbling about him being a three-star and that always want to label guys based on their star rating, uh, Georgia didn't think so. Georgia thought he was good enough to play there, and so you lost him. Hey, <laughs> uh, look, taking a kid out of Milledgeville, Georgia, that Georgia wants is tough, especially a high school kid. So – Hats off to the Bulldogs for getting a good one today. Kevin Gilliam, Oklahoma or Penn State. Gamecocks have fought the good fault running third. And then, um, oh, who's the other one? He's not a guy that I even thought would, would register on the Gamecocks radar. Uh, Demarcus Smith. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about him. He's a, He's a guy that they've kind of – and he announces later this week, he's a guy that I, I don't, I, you know, I, he said good things about Carolina. He's one of those Florida kids that you just don't know. Um, And I, I don't know that, you know, I, if they got him. I'm sorry, DeMarcus Smith is from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, So I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if he would be a guy, maybe an old Miss guy or whatever. <laughs> Uh, Maybe a guy that doesn't really have an offer. Maybe a guy that goes to Tennessee. Who knows? So, anyway, um, that's that. There's another Demarcus Smith down in Florida, Demarcus somebody down in Florida they've offered that I don't know. So, I don't think the Gamecocks are getting any of these guys. (laughs) Uh, And that's not to bust your bubble or anything. I just, you know, we have a wave of guys the Gamecocks have been involved with that, um, you know, they're probably not going to get now. What do I always say? I've been wrong before I'll be wrong again. So we'll see what happens with that. You know, I didn't expect Marshawn Lloyd to come to South Carolina on Memorial day last year. And George Wilson was not looking good before he committed to the Gamecocks earlier. So they, the staff will surprise you on the recruiting trail. And I think there was a lot of negativity about Jordan Birch for a while too. So Jordan Birch speaking to him, my goodness. Um, He's taken, you know, some pictures on campus and all that. I mean, here's a guy that, you know, that they, need, they need to play the buck, you know, and he was about 280 or so in high school, but had the ability to trim down. He has um, just an elite, elite uh, in terms of, you know, upside, monster type. Uh, I think if he keeps his weight down and can run and all that, you know, this guy could end up being special. And you expect that from a five-star guy, um, quite frankly. But, uh, you know, just looking at his ability to kind of get lean, I think that's tremendous. And I think Jordan Birch, you know, I think you're going to hear from him at some point this year. Um, maybe not early on, uh, but you're going to hear from him this year. Uh, and for a while when it comes to South Carolina. So, you know, th- that that's something that, you know, I always like to keep an eye on is, is how, how do they look after, you know, once they get to campus and they've been training and all that. Um, he looks pretty good. And he was one where everybody was talking about moving him inside because he, he's just going to get bigger. Well, sometimes guys get lighter, you know. It kind of depends on what you want to do. And so I think that, uh, you know, good job. From the strength staff, getting him lean, lean and mean. Uh, and we'll see kind of how things go with him this year. I think uh, I think it was exciting to kind of see that. Uh, you know, he's got to get the pads on. He's got to play. You got to kind of see how things go. But I would say he's probably, um, you know, ahead of schedule <laughs> in terms of remaining lean and all that. Some guys can't. Some guys can't uh, – you know, Melvin Ingram was a guy like that. You know, he came in at 245, quickly got to 280. They spent a year saying, well, we can slim him down and play him at linebacker. And then finally they're like, let him eat, move him inside. And, heck, he's one of the best players in program history and probably one of the best players in the NFL right now. You know, so body types, things like that are different. I, I just personally, on, on as far as – you know, evaluations and stuff go. I was glad to see Jordan Birch lean down. Because at that buck position, you have to do that. You have to be a little bit athletic. You have to play in space. Uh, I think if he can do that, man, I think he's a quintessential guy to play at that spot. But I don't know if he would have been able to do it at 290. That, that would have been a freak, a freak show. 290, could run like that, great. But, um, you know, we'll see kind of what happens there. Uh, but there's a lot to be excited about as far as those freshmen go in the class. Went over a lot of newcomers with you today, just because that's going to kind of be you know, you have your eye on that. You know, we'll t- you know, like I said, I, I, I dropped a big story VIP tidbits on the offense on, on the today. If you're a member, go check that out. That's a VIP only piece. Get some inside intel on that, um, and we're going to talk about all these position battles. You know, wide receivers so foggy right now, what's gonna happen? Uh, I know the first question a lot of you have is will Luke Doty end up being starting a starter at wide receiver? Maybe, maybe not. Um I I will or Smith come back. You know, he caught 30 balls as a freshman, hasn't kind of returned to form. Um that's a question. What will DeKerry and Joyner do? Heck of an athlete uh get him the ball yards after catch in my opinion. Can Xavier Leggett – can Joe Cox get Xavier Leggett to play better? He's got all the tools. He had some flashes. Can Can they get him to play better? Um, and then the question about Shai Smith, can he be a number one receiver in the SEC? I think he can. I, I think, you know, I don't know that Shai has played poorly. I think there were games where Shai wasn't targeted. I, I think there were games that he was. Um is he more of a slot guy? Yeah. But is he good? Yeah. I mean, he can jump up and I mean think about some of the catches he's made over the years. Shy Smith. (laughs) I mean, they're ridiculous. Some of them are ridiculous. So, uh, you know, can he be a star? Yes. And it's his time to be, and he needs to be, you know, just in talking to people about shy, the one thing that happens that people don't talk about, he's not been injured like some of these other guys they have at receiver, like to where he's had to sit, he does get banged up. Yeah, he does get nicked up a little bit here and there. And so, you know, that's the one thing to look out for with him. Got to keep him upright. Got to keep him healthy. Um, You know, so we'll see what happens uh, in terms of, you know, the receiving core. So we're going to talk about all that. There's a quarterback battle, sort of an unexpected one, I guess. I mean, you know, I've been talking about it myself for a while because I was told it was going to happen. Colin Hill versus Ryan Halinski, that's going to be good. Competition makes everybody better. Um, you know, offensive line-wise, I think we're going to see Hank Manos get his third chance at, at being the center. Um, and I think it's been sort of unfair to him to judge him on those two miserable games in Charlotte where the Gamecocks didn't win and everybody's mad. Um, and, you know, even if Hank goes out and – Doesn't play well in the opener. um, I'm all for trotting him right back out there because sometimes guys got to get to that second game. They got to get punched in the mouth. And, you know, that's when you improve the most, blah, 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 first and second game. So, you know, we'll see kind of what happens there. That's something to watch. You know, who's going to be the backup tight end um, behind Nick Muse? Um, What's happening in the secondary in terms of shifting people around and where's everybody going to play? Uh, you know, I, I think Will Linebacker an interesting battle, too, and I'm, I'll have a defensive VIP tidbits on the board tomorrow or today. Um, is Sherrod Green going to go back there and play well? I mean, I thought Sherrod Green improved from 2018 to 2019 as much as anybody. Uh, are they keeping the seat warm for freshman Muhammad Kaba? Damani Staley can play over there. Uh, You know, you're going to play Jamar Brown at safety. How much safety? You know, that kind of thing. Will he be a starter at safety? Will we see Jamar Brown and Jamie Robinson as your starting safeties? Who knows? So lots of questions, lots of questions heading into preseason camp for South Carolina for 2020. And thank God we got to talk mostly football today because that's what I like doing, talking ball, giving my opinions on football and uh, letting you guys have scoop and, and intel and tell you what I'm hearing and all that, that's the whole purpose of this. You know, I, I don't – I certainly could talk about, like, Twitter, Corona, you know, police people that, you know, want to run down college football or, or, you know, even the people that think it's, you know, the other thing. Um, the whole thing's ridiculous to me because either it's safe or it's not. I mean, that's the bottom line. So regardless of where you come out on the debate, it's completely illogical. <laughs> I mean, this is a completely illogical time. Um, but I don't like, you know, I, I'd much prefer talking about, you know, depth charts and players and evaluations and all that good stuff. And I think that's uh, that's probably what you guys like listening to uh, the most as well. All right. So we will see. We will see. Uh, what the ultimate deal is on the schedule. Um, maybe, maybe I'll have like a, what they call an emergency podcast. I don't think it's an emergency when the schedule gets released, but maybe I'll have something I'll drop later tonight where I'll, I'll kind of break the schedule down. If not, I'll definitely be back tomorrow morning. Uh, but uh, stay tuned to the big uh, follow at the big spur pod. If you'd like to follow this podcast on Twitter at the BigSper247 for the main TBS Twitter account, go to the iTunes Store. Some of you've been doing this; I appreciate it. Um, rate us five stars. Drop a review. That helps us get up. You know, since this podcast we've kind of launched it, relaunched it. It's kind of a new thing uh, that helps us get up into the uh, Apple iTunes Store Gamecock Podcast ecosystem, so to speak. Uh, and it's quite an ecosystem. Um, oh, I'll be on lots on the Gamecocks podcast for those of you that uh, listen to Keith's podcast, Patreon members. Um, I'll be a guest on there today, uh, JB and Goldwater later this week. And uh, JC and Morgan will probably have uh, another episode coming your way too. But go, speaking of just this podcast, go to the iTunes store, Apple store, Um Apple Podcast Store or whatever. It's not a store, really. It's just where you go get podcasts. Give me a rating. Drop a review. That helps. And I appreciate each and every one of you. This has been Inside the Gamecast, J.C. Sherbert. Have a great eventful Monday, everyone.